Welcome to Pull the Pin Ready War Room Edition. I'm your host, Jim. With me, as usual, Mike. Our guest today is Jerry. Oh, that's my dude, man. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. You ready to pull the pin? <laughs> uh, not quite. <laughs> hey, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself there? Well, I was... Um, Born up uh, just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, raised in Western North Carolina, um, just outside of Asheville. When I turned um, 18, I joined the Navy, did 10 years, enlisted in the Navy, got out, went to seminary, did um, 10 years in the Army. And so I kind of totally changed paths. And when I was in the Army, I was a chaplain. So um, I served in the Army for 10 years and the army and I thought it was a good time to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't, they didn't ask you to go back to the Navy. No, no. So the army spoke to you about getting out, but not God. <laughs> uh, God spoke through the army. <laughs> okay. God, or God allowed the army to speak. Yeah, the there you go. <laughs> that was a vessel, right? <laughs> God strong hand, AKA the USA army. Yeah. <laughs> so where'd you serve? Um, you know, various locations. The first one, um, Fort Polk, Louisiana, in the in the army. Um, and we had looked over every post possible that we could get stationed at, and we'd only breezed over Fort Polk because we thought there's absolutely no way we'll be stationed there. And I literally. Um, when I got the call from the accessions officer that I was going to be stationed at Fort Polk for my first assignment, my wife cried. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you heard about it then? I'd heard, yeah. I'd yeah, heard. you heard, yeah. I heard about it also. Glad I never went. Yeah, the people, um, Louisiana people were great. Um, the culture was rich. Uh, the food was excellent, but... I have explained everything good about Louisiana. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Got it. <laughs> well, my best friend in basic training was from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. Yep. I went to visit him once, but I really don't even know what Louisiana was about because I wasn't there long. <laughs> they all kind of look the same as you start traveling down the South States. Yeah. They kind of blend. Louisiana commonly uses this cheap road material um, I don't know what it is. It's not like asphalt and it's not like cement. It's like, like a, like a brown asphalt almost they use. Every, and their roads are constantly cracking and having seams repaired. But anyway, this material is on the, the same roads on post and it used to get so hot. Um, so er and so humid so early in the morning mm -hmm. during morning PT there would be like a like a condensation sheen on those roads and they were almost like greasy so it's trying to oh. trying to run and stay up on those those roads it was it was strange it was an experience maybe it was grease like it, don't they like a lot of fried food down there <laughs> oh my god yeah. <laughs> well, that's not a racist thing, Mike. What are you talking about? I didn't say anything about race. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I knew we were going to go there. Oh, yeah. That's where that race card. You always do that. <laughs> so, Jerry, let me ask you a question. Sure. Which was better, Navy or Army? 
it's Heck, not who, do you root, who do you root for in the game? Yeah. yeah. Good thing I'm not a sports fan, but um, yeah, it's not even close. Quality uh, of life is definitely the Navy. I mean, the quality of life is just so much. Mm. It's so different. Um, yeah, it was definitely like day and night. And you know, the strange thing, um, the strangest thing between the army and the Navy, I think, um, cause there's a lot, there's lots of differences. Um, and it was kind of neat to see both sides and be able to compare and contrast. But one of the biggest differences in the branches is that in the Navy, um, the higher you're up, the more you get, the more privileges you get, the more it, it's seniors first in the Navy. Everything is about rank. And in the Navy, it's like, if you want to get taken care of as an enlisted person, make chief. And that's what they'll tell you. It's like, Hey, you don't like being the last one off the boat. Um, when we pull in the port, you don't like, um, that you can't get a sandwich anytime you want to from the mess hall, make chief. And I, I learned that mentality from the Navy is, is higher up gets more. If you want better, just make more rank. And the contrast of course is in the army. It's juniors first. You look out for your guys, make sure they eat first and make sure that your, your guys are taken care of. Like, like in the Navy, if there was a special assembly and there was food and the cake involved or whatever, junior guys wouldn't get that. If there was any left, the chiefs would take it. <laughs> That's why they're all fat and overweight. And when I was in the army, <laughs> I saw like food left over. And the first thing these guys would do is offer it to their E1, E2 and say, Hey, you want some food home? And so it was a, it was a complete, um, <clears throat> it's just a completely different, it's bizarro world. So and they, they had a, uh, oh, one more thing before I forget, I was going to say they had, like at a barber shop in the Navy, they have a specific seat, E7 and above. So you walk into the barber shop, and if you're an E7, there could be an E2 that's been there, you know, for 30 minutes waiting for a haircut. As soon as that seat comes open, that chief that just walked in gets that seat. Wow. So, but it's not that Navy are bad people. It's that their their branch mentalities is just different. The only way they can find rewards. So, so it sounds like you were just about to be privileged in the Navy and then you got out and then you went in the army and all the privilege was gone because you had used it up in the Navy. Is that how it works? <laughs> well, actually I made chief in about seven years in the Navy. And so I was one of the, I guess you'd say entitled ones, um, in the, in the Navy culture. Mm. Um, you know, the other thing that's interesting about I think Navy versus Army. Um, in the Navy, they call them Mustangs if you were prior enlisted and became an officer. And really, regardless of what branch you were in, if you were a Marine officer or Marine enlisted and became a Navy officer, um, but they call them Mustangs, you're prior enlisted. And those guys got a lot of respect because they've cleaned toilets, they've swept floors, they've went to boot camp. Um, they work their way up and they started at the bottom, but in the army, um, it, like it didn't really matter to anybody. <laughs> now a few people know the Navy system and no chief's a pretty big deal, but I mean, generally speaking in the army, they could care less that you were prior enlisted E7. Like it didn't make a difference that you were a prior enlisted officer, if that makes sense. But the Navy's huge <laughs> and they really have the respect of the junior guys and, and really hit it off with them. Mm. 
I'm sure it's hard for Army guys to even, I don't want to say like mean, but have respect for prior Navy anyway. I mean, I don't think <laughs> Army guys look at the Navy as, as a, a force of fear and reckon. I mean, it's just like we, we drive boats and we'll take you there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so the respect's probably got to be earned once you get to the Army. I was in a, it reminds me, I was in a crowd of like, as uses an icebreaker, I was, I was in a crowd of infantry guys and I was introducing myself and I'm like, so I came from the Navy. I said, I was a prior chief, which is an E7 in the Navy. I said, I got it. That's like an E2 in the army. And then everybody, <laughs> nobody laughed. Nobody out of the whole room. I'm like, damn, tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's the way they look at it, man. Yeah, that's funny. So uh, when did you get out of the Army? You know, I've been out for about five years now. Oh, okay. Yep. And I got into, strangely enough, I, I actually got into antiques and became an antiques dealer and partner, business partner in an antique store. I kind of had enough of that. And I still buy and sell and still have a space in the store that I lease out, but I'm not an owner anymore. So I jumped out of that, um, went to be a police officer and was a, was a cop for a little while. And then the biggest, um, change you could think of from a police officer. Now I'm in school to be a social worker. Wow. Police officer, chaplain to police officer to social worker. One can say you've seen it all. (laughs) Yeah. So, the deal is I can't tell as being in social work school, I can't tell any cops that I know that I'm a social worker now because they'd hate me. Yeah. Tell the social workers I used to be a cop because they'd hate me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So I just have to, I just had to be quiet and take policemen off my resident um, resume when I applied to social work school. Yeah. So when you, uh, well, are you working around any military right now? No affiliation with the military at all? No, I'm completely retired. My only affiliation with the military is the VA. <laughs> yeah, okay. So based off of, um, you know, the news and maybe you might hear some talk around the water cooler or whatever, what would you say is the difference between the military today and the military when you were in? <sighs> like when I was first in, when I was early enlisted? Yeah, sure. I think, um, man, that's a great question. I think a lot has changed. Um, part of it is, I just don't think, uh, well, you know, I'd just be honest with you. This might not be a popular position, but when I was in the army, even, um, versus the Navy. So halfway into my career, I was telling, um, other, other soldiers, I was like, listen, if we had a World War Three like we had a World War Two, I don't know that we could win it today. I don't know that enough enough of our military has the heart and dedication that these these guys that fought in World War Two and the sacrifices they gave. Um, looking at the things that we as soldiers can't deal with and complain about and have drama with, and you know. Um, so would you say that uh, it's, it's probably a bad word, but I'll take the hit for it. You say that soldiers today in some sense are weaker? Or softer, maybe softer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which is worse. 
<laughs> well, it depends if you're using your hands or not. Oh my god. <laughs> I hate to, I hate to be on a on a veteran show and say this as a veteran myself, but um, I mean, man, I guess I, I can include myself in the mix. I just don't think that we have the World War II mentality in force. I mean, if you watched Band of Brothers, have you watched it before? Is that uh, who's that? Mel Gibson. It's a whole series, yeah. Um, it's a it's a series like a. Oh, it was a series. No, I didn't see it. World War II. Um, these guys and they veterans will talk about um, in clips in between episodes, they'll talk about their experiences in world war two. And I, I just remember one of these guys said, you know, if you, um, this guy said, I knew people from my neighborhood that couldn't, that were drafted and didn't make the cut for some reason or got disqualified. They killed themselves just from, Oh, wow just from the the stigma and the pressure of wanting to serve their country and do their mm-hmm. part and, and win the war, you know. Well, it's, 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 it's interesting, Jerry, because, like, I go down, uh, there's a vet center here, there's a lot of old uh, old-timers there, you know, and you listen and look at some of these guys, I mean, guys in wheelchairs, still, you know, I mean, you know, I, I always say that stuff, too, even now when people say, hey, thanks for your service, I don't really, I don't respond, I don't take it very well. Not that I'm just dismissing the sacrifices that I've made or other people have made. And there are some tough guys out there now that, that, you know, are these people you're talking about, but I do understand. I think the people before me did make a more sacrifice and they didn't have the technology and luxuries we had. I mean, it was just that simple. All of their stuff came from grit and heart, you know? So when I, I guess part of my, a part of what, what, why I'm, why I come from this position is I served in a AIT battalion um, for light wheel vehicle mechanics. So when I, I was in this, you know, atmosphere for a couple of years and the amount of, of men, really, that's another crazy thing. I never really dealt with women that were trying to get out of the army in a trade, in a AIT environment. Mm. Most women that I dealt with, um, if, if they had something they wanted to be chaplain about, it was a, Hey, I'm under, uh, I'm under stress. I got some bad news from home, et cetera. But I countless, countless dudes, um, just wanted to quit. They didn't want to, they didn't want to do it anymore. It was too hard. They didn't like PT. They, it's a lot harder than call of duty, right? It is. Yeah. It's not the same. So you don't get potato chips, couch time and reset button. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was covering for the reception battalion, you know, brand new, fresh out of the, off the bus civilians coming to be soldiers. I was covering for that chaplain and I, I'll, I'll never forget this guy, grown man. Um, I had to go over and see him because he was hysterical. And this guy was crying and whelping and couldn't hardly breathe and wanted to, this isn't what he, you know, this isn't what he signed up for. This is too tough. This is a different world. This is, you know, and the sad thing was, and this is why I won't forget him, is the reason he came in the army was because he didn't have any other income. He had like five kids, his wife didn't work and he had no health insurance. So I'm like, man, this is a grown man. And he was older too. He wasn't like 18. I mean, he was, you know, 
26, 28. And with all these kids and all he had to do to take care of his family was lose his cell phone and be yelled at a little bit. And I just, I dealt with so many people that wanted to get out and wanted a way out and couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't deal with the, the, the stress of AIT. And I just, I just don't think we had what I don't think we had what they had typically in, in Vietnam and world war II and the Korean war. And I, you know, it pains me to say that, but I think you'd make a horrible recruiter. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. (laughs) You can't handle it. Don't bother. Go down there, join the Air Force. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a runner. I never have been. But you know, I would be running two miles with these kids, and he's 18 to 22. Most of them 18 to 22 years old in AIT, falling out of PT test, falling out of two mile run. This is they've already graduated boot camp. You know, two miles for a soldier that graduated boot camp that's 18, 22 should be nothing. Yeah. But you know, literally crying during their PT test dropping up before two miles and I'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm jogging with him yelling at him. I don't even a runner I'm not bragging on myself because I'm not good and I'm like man I'm better than this I'm yelling at these kids there's soldiers out there outside the wire in Iraq and Afghanistan all your country wants you to do today all they're paying you for is to run two miles <laughs> you right. know well you know it's, it's a lot it's a lot harder to run with a cell phone you know yeah okay <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not uh, let me ask you, let me ask you this, uh, Jerry. If you were king for a day, what would you do to uh, to affect the poli- making a, a positive uh, change on anything or in the military? Uh, let's say stick with the military. Then we go to anything, so he could prep for it. <laughs> um, I'm, so if you were commander in chief for the day, then. Yeah. There you go. Uh, what would I do for the quality of... You see how the military... Yeah, you see how the military... You could use Army or Navy since you spent an extensive amount of time in both. How it used to be versus today. So what would you do as Commander-in-Chief to try to get it back to the way it used to be? I'll be honest with you, brother. I don't know how, um, I don't know how this much change over the last say 20 or 30 years of military. I don't know how a person in a day or a week or a year could get it back. Um, Mm. I think there's been, well, I mean, it's, it's obvious and especially the, uh, the biggest branch when it comes to amount of people, you know, the army, the army, mm-hmm. the army will write. I've learned this too. The army writes a waiver for everything. Mm. The army loves waivers when they want something or they need something It's waiver time, bro. Mm. And they'll, I mean, they'll get that pen out and they'll just start doing policy changes and waivers. So, you know, when, when there was, when there have been pushes in, in numbers to get numbers of recruits, they just dropped the standards and yeah. they, you know, when, when the army used to kick soldiers out for, I guess, um, I, now they've, 
they've gone back and forth on this, but you know, there was a time where they stopped kicking soldiers out that would, when you got to a school, um, was a knock and B knock and you failed your PT test. Yeah. Um, the way it used to be is you wouldn't be offered at school again. So eventually you'd phase out and time out. Mm. Uh, they got, I think they have started that back somewhat depending on, depending on your command and your, how they put it in the system or et cetera. But I mean, and I, I think the same goes for officers too. I've seen officers fail out of these officers schools in the army and they'll, they'll be like, that's all right. I'll, I'll be back. You know what I mean? I'll, yeah. I'll back. And they fail out because they they fail height, weight, or they fail a PT test. Um, and they just give them another chance. Mm. So I think we've got, I think that's one of the things that standards as the army has needed, needed things. They've, they've changed their, they've changed their standards around and they've kind of catered to the needs of, um, self needs and drop standards to, to get the amount of people. Yeah. Um, and the sad thing is, you know, eventually some of those, some of those people make seven, some of them make eight, some yep. of them make nine. And they start to make uh, a difference in the, our military. Some yeah. of them, some of them are, you know, were company commanders that were crappy and didn't deserve to be captains. And because of the way they rode the wave and the numbers and their branch, they'll be, they'll be battalion commanders and they'll lead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I met a few. <laughs> they didn't even lead a company well, but they'll be a battalion commander. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think about the state of America? I think we're, I think we're in kind of, uh, I guess I'd say unprecedented times. I was just telling my, my kid yesterday and a 17 year old, it, I think, you know, 2020, potentially 2021 are going to be years in the history books in us history and world history that, you know, 20, 30 years from now, people will be looking back and studying and saying, man, what happened that, you know, what happened? Those were crucial years in the development of the country, the world. We're changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I've seen a meme today, and I love memes. I used to not like memes, but I saw a meme. My son, my 10-year-old son sent me a meme. It was about uh, one of the, you know, the whole attack on the Capitol thing. They showed this raggedy lady and said, this lady got past the security. Like this <laughs> tactical genius got past. And it was just so funny. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, holy cow, like this is where we're at? Like, yeah. I love it. I, I just love it. Yeah, they. I saw my wife showed me a meme from one of her friends um, on Facebook. That's a that's a nurse, military nurse, but it was in response to all the the protesters and the tens of thousands, at least, of people that were lining the streets, and they they uh, you know needed more reinforcements out there. And she said, "Send in the social workers." <laughs> <laughs> I think right. it's funny from a cop standpoint when I was used to be a cop and of course from a social worker standpoint, it's even funnier. So. Mm. Well, I think you'd be the the prime social worker then, then you'd have to be like, all right, I did have a little law enforcement background. Yeah. I yeah. can go handle it. Yeah. They'd be mm. all be looking at Jerry, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you may be, uh, you may be looking at one of the only conservative social workers 
when I when I finish my school that you'll ever see. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Let me cut this off. Sorry about that, guys. There's always interruptions on these shows. I mean, yeah, my dog, a, yeah. let me tell you, Jerry, my dog literally, you know, as dumb as dogs are, they're just as smart, literally waits till I do my intro and then she'll go stand at the door ringing the bell till I let her out. Yeah. She's ringing it now. I don't know if you can hear it, but she's still ringing the bell. In, in all seriousness, I thought about three minutes ago as I look at the, the club, I said, man, here they come. I thought my kids were about to run in here again. You know, <laughs> we always yeah. have interruptions. We don't mind interruptions in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what else you want to talk about there, Jerry? Um, let's go back to and just um, I'm still in this Navy versus Army in my mind. <laughs> God, you must be beating yourself up because you're both, man. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta mention this though. In the Navy, right? It's it's truly a work hard, play hard mindset mm-hmm. the army is just work hard work hard when when the navy goes out to sea it's like being in the field you work longer hours you're away from home you might have guard duty or watch the navy calls it so you know we would go out to sea for say 20 days and the captain of the boat knows everybody's working hard and late so then we pull into a port and if it was if the captain was pleased with the the crew and there wasn't any big issues on the, on the ship, he would say it's a Liberty port. And that would mean, you know, you got off if you weren't in a duty section or uh, I don't know, the army doesn't really have an equivalent. If you didn't have guard duty that day and you had, you had to stay as a security team or on a guard duty roster, our ship was on like four sections. So it, one out of four days you worked. If, if it was a Liberty port, you got three days off. So if you were there seven days, uh, you probably worked one, maybe two days and got the rest of the days off. You just did what you want to do. Um, and I said, the Navy was truly work hard, play hard. And then in the army, we go out to the field for a damn month. I come back and I would look, I would look on a schedule. I'd be like, listen, these two, you're already laughing. These two things on the, this is the battalion schedule. It says recovery. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's for the gear. That ain't for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be doing the recovery. That's right. That's right. I didn't realize that until I was at like my second unit. I was tired of it never happening. I had to ask. They're like, oh yeah, <laughs> that ain't for the soldier. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Apparently, in some units, it could happen, but not not the units I was in. Yeah, most of the time they come back, they probably have some block leave or something like that. Where, hey, during these two weeks, everyone's off, but you got to use your uh, leave time. <clears throat> <laughs> well, sometimes you got good commanders, and they do mandatory fun days and just stuff like that. To yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it took me a while to really understand the value in that. You know, like a, a company barbecue where you, you had to go. I always felt it was bad. It looked bad if you have to force your people to go to a barbecue. And like Jim just stated, have fun. You know, I, was, I always thought that was bad. But, you know, later on in life, as I grew through the ranks and even after the military, I see the value in it now. So when I was in the, in the Navy still, so 94 to 2004, um, especially 96, 97, they were still serving beer 
an alcoholic company, company picnics, they call it, or a battalion, not a company battalion. Um, I guess you call them, a, they call them a ship picnic or a ship um, uh-huh. Monday. Ship, a ship nick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a ship nick. Yeah. Yeah, but you would go, you would go to some place, you know, because maybe ships are always in conjunction with the beach somewhere. You go to the beach and play volleyball and they would rent out the officer's club or the chief's mess and you'd be on the beach playing volleyball, drinking beer. Um, yeah. And times changed not long after that. Yeah. But, and they would purchase that beer with MWR funds. So. Yeah. Yeah. But then you started slowly having a lot Every of incidents. And, yeah. I, I remember one time we were in, um, uh, where were we at? San Juan, Puerto Rico. The Roosevelt Roads, Puerto Rico. It's a Navy base uh, just outside of San Juan. And we were pulled in there and we had a, we had a company, a ship, ship's picnic or whatever. And the captain was, uh, was there on the beach, you know, with everybody. And we ran out of, out of beer that was MWR funds or whatever. And I remember the captain, you don't see this anymore either. The captain gave his credit cards, personal credit cards to one of the guys. It was like the duty driver of the van. He said, Hey, go to the class six. We call it another package store. Go to the class six, spend two or $300. It was, and he said, get us some more stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've seen that also. Yeah. Those times are long gone. (laughs) Oh, they're gone. They're gone. Maybe that's the compromise, you know, between the the stress stuff. I mean, maybe maybe it's more about, you know, the the entitlement than it is the the inability of soldiers to be tough anymore. Maybe they're just entitled. Like, you know, in the era we live in now, you can't spank your kids because they'll sue you. You know what I mean? So maybe that's what kind of forced the change. Maybe it wasn't the way around. It wasn't the, you know, the oh, let's not hurt them because they're they're soft. Maybe it was like, hey, if we do this, they're going to get me in trouble, ruin my career. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what was a big driving force in the change. Oh, I think it's a it's a number of things. And uh, I was told that one of the main things when you're going through basic training is that when these certain kids who have parents who are co- uh, connected to politicians and they don't like the way things are going in basic training and they call home to mommy and or daddy and then they call that politician and then the politician somehow affects change. And then it's just a, you know, a trickle down effect, if you will. Oh, you can't do this. Well, you didn't do it to Jim in the last cycle. So we have, we have to, hey, here's another policy. You can't do this now. Well, that's you know? dumb. I mean, come on, yeah. Mike. There's, there's white privilege there too, though. Oh my God. <laughs> you know that. That reminds me of when I was at that um, training command. They, they, that was the time they were switching the PT test from the old test to the new test. Yeah. I'm sorry, the PT, not just the test, the the whole cycle of PT. No, that's how you perform PT. They, they oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's not just run three days a week and beat your body down the other two. It was, it was like a set... Um, more like calisthenics, but you know, apparently they were doing this. They, they, um, I talked to somebody, someone came and talked to our battalion that was on this part of this team that helped develop this new PT regiment on Fort Jackson. Cause Fort Jackson's like the training flagship of the army. Um, but they, they had to develop this because these young soldiers were coming in and getting hip fractures. Have you heard this? 
Mm-mm. Yeah. So there's like a phenomenon where they were soldiers were getting hip fractures and you can only have like two hip replacements in your life. There's the way it works. You're only, you can only get two and they're only like, they've got to be like, they're usually 20 years apart or 22 years apart or something. But the deal is these, these soldiers were getting hips broken in basic training from the P from normal army PT, the way it's always been done. And with that, they know looking forward, Hey, he can only have two hip replacements by the time he's 78 or 75, he can't even have any more. And he's not gonna be able to walk. He'll be in a wheelchair. Mm. So apparently when they've re- when they researched this, why they had to change the, why they changed the, the PT program in the army was when they researched this on why it was a combination of one, not drinking as much milk and two, um, I think the main reason they said was um, lethargy, that these kids weren't going outside and playing and getting the activity that most kids got when they were during your my childhood and all the ones before us. Yeah. And so their tendons um, and their, the tendons that are holding everything and strengthening everything and their muscles um, aren't as developed. And that's why they were breaking their hips. So it's like, this reminded me when you said, Hey, what would you, what would you change? Like that's something the army had to change because they were just breaking people's bodies. And it was, it wasn't just one or two, I guess, um, this, I wish I remembered the statistics, but the numbers of young people outside of the army that had broken hips at that age is, is almost zero. I mean, it's nationwide. It's like nothing. Army makes sense. I don't know how many a year, but they, the army had numbers per year. Yeah. So something like that is crazy, man. It's like, how do you go back and you, you fix that? Well, you, you do know that I, I was actually put in for hip replacement. Uh, but they said I was too young. They said it, it's not worth it right now. Wait, wait a couple of years for, or go to, you can't take it no more because the technology is not good enough. You'll be back at 10 years later. Wow. Yeah. So I was actually put in and I was going to mention that too. And, and, and in our day, there weren't so many um, precautions. Like I literally I have like a bulge in my thoracic, you know, and, and doctors don't find that because there's like no bend there. But I remember the way I did sit ups, I would slam the ground, slap my elbows, mm-hmm. come back up like that was normal. And I did yeah. very well in sit ups. So that's I continue to do that because that's how I performed. But all the injuries I've got now because of pushing it through the military, you know, maybe that's part of it, too. You know, maybe they're saying, hey, we're risking, you know, other on the other end of the VA. You know, we're getting what we get out of these guys, but we're we're tearing them down. So I don't yeah. know. Wow. Yeah, things kind of fascinating. Yeah. It's some some definitely to consider. I mean, we have a whole episode on what why the Army's change we can do that too let us um let us go ahead and pull the pin on this hole here because uh we're pushing the time um but we're going to move into uh, the opportunity where we give you the chance to just pick some random thing that just uh irks you or annoys you or just want to s- scream about whatever and uh go ahead take your time doing that and then we'll close this out i'm gonna have to I'm going to have to pick on my fellow veterans that get into VFW and wear all the big pins on their hat. <laughs> you got a pin for every place that you ever been. You got a pin for kitchen patrol. You got a, you got a pin for your PT tests. You just got to cut it out. Remember, I'm going to get you sucker. 
that movie, and he's got all the he's got the jacket with all the pins on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is good because yeah, I've seen that too, and I just I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, man. A walking collection there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jared, that was good. It's a good way to end this out here, Derek. We do appreciate you coming on here. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, well, well we, we, we'll catch you next time. Some good insight there. I appreciate you all having me. And that is all the time we have for this episode. We enjoy, uh, we, we enjoy, we enjoy it all the time. So we thank you for, for tuning in, watching us. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope to catch you next time. Till then, Godspeed. And pull the pin.